morning, I'm going to ask you to take your Bibles. Let's look in Nehemiah chapter 6. So if you've been following along in Nehemiah, we're going to be in chapter 6, and I'm going to pick up at verse 1. I just want to read just a few verses to get us started, but I want to look all the way through verse 15 today. So there in Nehemiah chapter 6, hold your place, and let's get started. It said, now it happened when Sambalat, Tobiah, Geshem, the rest of our enemies heard that I had rebuilt the wall, that they that there was no breaks left in it, though at that time I had not hung the doors and the gates that Sambalat and Geshem sent me to me, saying, Come, let us meet together among the villages in the plain of Olno. See, that's there's no harm in that, right? But look what he goes on to say. But they thought to do me harm. I sent messages to them saying, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should I why should the work cease while I leave it and go down to you? Hey, let's go ahead and have prayer. Lord, would you bless us? Help us understand your word. And Lord, I pray that each person listening can be challenged today. We want to be leaders, and leaders have to be prepared for attacks. So may you prepare each person listening so that they can handle personal attacks and be the leaders you've called them to be. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, handling personal attack. Henry Henry Ward Beecher, when he was in school, one time the teacher challenged them. He gave them a question, and he called on a student to give an answer, and the student stood up and gave an answer, and he said, no, that's wrong, sit down. But it was an obvious answer, and the young man had given the right answer. He called on another student. He stood up and gave the same answer. He said, no, that's wrong. Sit down. That young man sat back down. Children were kind of puzzled. Then he called on Henry uh, Ward Beecher. And he said, for him to stand up, and he stood up and he gave the answer. And he said, no, that's wrong. Sit down. But he refused. He would not sit down. He said, son, I told you to sit down. He wouldn't sit down. He said, son, I told you. He said, but my answer's correct. And then he said, well done, young man, well done for standing for what you knew to be true. And he challenged those young people to be able to stand for the truth. We need people today that's willing to stand for what's right, for standing for the truth. There were some men in Charlotte back in 1924. Billy Sunday had come and done a crusade. And they Charlotte, they said at that time, had a, a great percentage of folk that were going uh, to church and in the Charlotte area, it was it was the highest, and so. But what these men were concerned about is that people were not concerned about souls. They weren't concerned about those who haven't heard. They weren't concerned about the future generations. They weren't concerned about those outside of their area. They weren't concerned about the nation nor the world. And so they began meeting and praying that God would rise up, raise up somebody that could be able to do that, to fill the void, and would be concerned about winning souls to the Lord. They thought the church had lost its focus, and they prayed that God would send a young man that would be able to withstand attacks, that would stand and be focused for the truth. Now, we check in, of course, oh, by the way, that in Charlotte, they were meeting at a man's house named uh, Frank Graham, and they didn't realize it, but God would, he would uh, bring that person about from that very farm. Frank Graham's own son, who was out playing that day, Frank, uh, 
Billy Graham is the guy that we're talking about that God would, would raise up and would be able to be that evangelist that would reach beyond Charlotte, that would reach beyond North Carolina, the United States, to the world with a focus on evangelism, and it could withstand personal attacks. In today's lesson here in Nehemiah, Nehemiah is a grand leader. He has helped the people to overcome He's helped them to stay focused, and they're getting the job done. And they realize, you know what? We can't stop this work, but if we're going to stop the people, we got to stop the leader. And we've got to be able to do something to Nehemiah, and we need to get him distracted. Satan's at work trying to get people distracted. The enemy's at work trying to distract us, and it sounds like a good thing. Let's get him to come to a meeting over here in Ono. Let's get him away from the area. Now, Nehemiah perceived the enemy wanted to do him harm. Now listen, the enemy's always wanting to do us harm, but more than anything, he's wanting to be able to get us away from the task that God has given us, the purpose from which we exist, from being able to share the gospel, to have an impact on people's lives. And so the enemy today, he wants pastors, he wants teachers to get distracted with other things, and so many times people are going in all kinds of different directions and then they don't focus on the, the one main thing that God has given them. And so instead of doing a good job in that area, they're, they're so scattered that they don't do an effective job in any area. Many times we've got people that, that are busy, but we just give them more things to do. Nehemiah understood the perception of the enemy. And you need to know your enemy. You need to know that he's trying to distract you, to get you away from God. And so Nehemiah, he basically sends back and said, no, I can't do this. No. He understands who the enemy is. He understands what they're about, that they're wanting to harm him. And second, not only did he understand perception of the enemy, he understood the priority of God's work. Did you notice that we read in here, he said, no, I, I'm doing a great work. When you're doing something for God, it may not be great to other people, but it's great because you're doing it for God. He said, I, this is the priority of my life. I'm focused upon this, and I'm not going to detour. I'm not going to get distracted. And so Nehemiah knew how important this building this wall, getting it complete, how it would provide an assurance, how it would provide security, how it would provide a freedom to be able to worship, to be able to do business. And so Nehemiah said, no, this, this is a priority. It has to be done. He also, and listen, when the leader loses their priority, you can guarantee other people are going to lose the right priorities. Part of the problem we have in our nation, part of the problem we have in our churches is leaders have lost their priorities. And we've kind of got pulled in all different kinds of direction, doing a little of this, doing a little of that, doing a little of this. But unfortunately, what we're not doing is having an impact on people's hearts and on people's lives and helping people have a relationship with God. And so he, he understood the perception of the enemy. He understood of the priority of God's work. He understood of the importance of saying no. Now, I've left off. They give him an invitation, but he goes on to tell us in verse 4, they sent me this message four times, so they didn't just stop. Satan's not going to take no for an answer and leave you alone. Some people think that Jesus, just because it's mentioned one time that he was tempted, 
in Matthew 4 by Satan. That's the only time Jesus was ever tempted. Oh, are you crazy? It was constant. Jesus was constantly being tempted. Satan doesn't just tempt us and just say, okay, I'm going to leave you alone. He may leave us alone for a season, but he's going to be back with a vengeance. And so he comes back. He's persistent and says, hey, are you sure about this? Hey, are you sure? And Satan's not going to leave you alone. He's going to continue to tempt you. He's going to continue to try to distract you. But Nehemiah said no. Sometimes the most spiritual answer you can give is no. Like I said, we try to get busy people become more busier because we know they'll get the job done. But sometimes every person, you're limited. There's only 24 hours in a day, and I don't care who you are. That's that's true. Billy Graham only had 24 hours in the day. Your pastor has 24 hours in the day. I don't. However spiritual you are, God's not going to say, hey, I'm going to grant this person some extra hours. That doesn't happen. That's how come you have to be able to say no to certain things. And just because... Some people say, well, if uh, the nominating committee is asking me, then that must mean I want, God wants me to do it. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Now, if they've spent their time in praying, if God has put you on their heart, that may be true. And it may be that you need to stop and, and pray and look it over. And, and, and listen, if they're coming and asking you, you do need to do that. But sometimes people are just saying, hey, this person, they always do it. Let's get them. And... God may have somebody else in mind, and he wants us to stay focused on what he's given us, and sometimes the most spiritual thing you can say is no, no. And so they were persistent, and Nehemiah said no. Then <clears throat> they're not going to stop, though. They're, uh, they're, they're coming back, and, and they're wanting to be able to, uh, uh, to get Nehemiah, and so here they come again, and they send another messenger. And, and this time, look with me, What this, this is in verse 5. This messenger shows up, and instead of talking to Nehemiah one-on-one, -on -one, giving him a letter and waiting for his response, they don't do that. This time, they're going to read the letter. They're going to read it out loud for everybody to hear. He's wanting to embarrass Nehemiah. He's wanting to put pressure upon Nehemiah. And if you also notice, he makes accusation. He's going to make slander. So first, Nehemiah had to handle distraction. Now he's going to have to handle slander. By the way, what do you know about Satan? You know that he slander. He's a slanderous. Uh, in fact, that's what his name means, slander. And so he's going to come after God's people. He's going to be able to spread rumors and start things and to slander you. You hear it on the news. If you, you take a person that's going to try to live godly and do the right thing, uh, it's not going to be long till the enemy's going to come and slander that person. And so uh, it's dangerous being a leader, a godly leader. But let's take a look at how Nehemiah handles the slander. First, let's go ahead and read what he says. Verse 6, he said, It is reported among the nations, and Geshem says, that you and the Jews plan to rebel. Therefore, according to these rumors, you are rebuilding the wall that you may be their king. And you have also appointed prophets to proclaim concerning you at Jerusalem, saying, there is a king in Judah. Now these matters will be reported to the king. So you come, therefore, and let us counsel together. You need to get over here quickly because you need to help. To We need to talk about these rumors. We're going to report them to the king. They're putting pressure upon him. 
they're going to they're beginning to try to place doubts within the people and having them put pressure upon Nehemiah. So how are you going to handle these types of rumors? Some people say the best thing that you can do is just just ignore them, and sometimes that's true. But whenever you're publicly, people are saying things. Sometimes it's best to be able to reply. And so Nehemiah does so in verse 8. Notice what he says. He says, no such things as you say are being done. What you're saying is is there's no truth. No truth in any of it. So he dismisses it. He lets people know, those people, listen, what he's saying, what you're hearing, none of it is true. It's rumors. How do you handle rumors? The best way to handle rumors is to confront the rumor with the truth or to be able to uh, to find the source of the rumor and see if there's any truth behind the rumor. If somebody says something to you, say, hey, do you mind if I quote you? Can I quote you on this? I remember at the first church, a pastor and a fellow came and he said, hey, um, we're, you've got us shaking hands and this is upsetting people. Nobody wants to shake hands. Now listen, during a pandemic, I understand. Sometimes during when flu season's bad, I understand. But that's not what we're talking about. This was at the beginning of a service, something that they hadn't done, and so we just implemented I thought it was just important that people, if you want visitors and guests to come, and we did, or I did, then, then you want them to feel welcome. You want them to be a part of the worship. He's like, everybody's against this. I said, well, I've never heard that. I thought everybody enjoyed it. Who you, who, who's against it? He couldn't name any names. And I kept pressing the fact, well, tell me, tell me, who is it that is against it? And finally, he just admitted it was him. He was the one that was opposed to it. And I, and I tried to, I said, well, well, explain, help me to understand what, what, what's, what's wrong with it. And he couldn't. And I began trying to share with him, this is why we're doing it. This is what I'm hoping for. This is what we're trying to accomplish Nehemiah dismissed the rumor. He said, this isn't true. It's not true at all. He diagnosed the problem. He said, you know what you've done? You've invented this. You've just come up with this on your own. It's not true. And that's what Satan does. He takes Sometimes he takes a kernel of truth and goes from there. But he said, "You, yeah, we built the wall, but we've not done it so I can become king. I've done it with the king's blessing. And he so he diagnoses. He said, you're trying to make us afraid and get us to respond in fear, and it's just not going to work. And so he diagnosed it. And then it's great. You know what I love about Nehemiah? He was a person of prayer. And so in verse 9, he prays, and he said, Lord, strengthen my hands. Lord, strengthen me so that we can continue to get this done. Don't let me get distracted. Don't let me lose strength or focus. But let's get this done. Strengthen my hands. Strengthen the people. So Nehemiah, Nehemiah, sometimes prayer, sometimes it's just the few words. I think I heard Charles Stanley say the most godliest prayer sometimes can be help. Sometimes it don't have to be lengthy words or fancy words. It's just got to be significant, heartfelt, truthful. And he just said, Lord, we need you to strengthen us. Simple prayer and he was dependent. And I hope if one thing, if nothing else, when you go through Nehemiah, you learn the importance of prayer and leaders, godly leaders need to pray. Now, do you think Satan's going to stop at that? 
We saw him trying to distract. We saw him trying to slander. And now he's coming back again. And now he's coming back in a threatening way. And, and listen, if he can't affect you from the outside, he's going to go from the inside. And so go with me down to verse, well, let's go down to verse 10. And he said, afterward, I came to the house of Shema. And he tells a little bit about him. And then he says this about him, he, who was a secret informer. So he didn't realize it, but he was actually working for the enemy. And he said, hey, let us meet together in the house of God. We need to go down to the temple. Let us close the doors of the temple for they are coming to kill you. Indeed, at night, they will come to kill you. Now, when somebody comes with intensity and says, they're coming after you, they're going to get you. Come on, we need to go down here. It, it's hard to get your mind to stop and to think. It's easy for you, all of a sudden, for you to get tensed up and to be afraid. I remember, well, Elijah, you just read about Elijah. And remember, uh, Jezebel threatened him. And this is after the 400 uh, prophets of Baal had, had, had defeated them. They'd been killed. God had sent fire down from heaven. After all these things, and then the threat that she made, it just, uh, he focused upon that. He lost focus upon God and lost focus upon God's word. And that's the thing about fear or bad news. Sometimes it can hit us and it just seems like we, we get amnesia. We can't think correctly. And the good thing is about Nehemiah is that Nehemiah maintained his thoughts. And sometimes as a leader, you got to just step back, and take a deep breath and be able to clear your mind and say, hold on a second. And just be able to clear your mind and begin to, so you can think and be able to have God leading you. And so it's interesting, Nehemiah's response, because here's threats, and it's coming from a source that you love, a source that you is on your side. And so Nehemiah said, wait a second, verse 11, should such a man as I flee? Nehemiah understood his importance. And here's something you need to mark. If you're going to be a leader, you got to understand the importance of your influence. And Nehemiah understood the importance of his influence. And Nehemiah said, wait a second. Should a guy in my position flee? If I'm afraid, what's it going to do to others? They're going to be afraid. If people see that I'm afraid, they're going to lose respect and they're not going to want to be able to follow like they need to. And Nehemiah said, I, a, poor, a guy like me can't run in fear. Uh, that, that's not going to happen. I can't do that. Can't. What happens when the president just, the president goes into hiding? President during times of crisis needs to lead. The reason that Churchill was able to keep England from falling during World War II was because he led. He was out front. It was not out of fear. Remember what Roosevelt said? FDR during World War II, we've got nothing to fear but fear itself. He, he, he led and helped people not to be afraid. And so here, Nehemiah said, wait a minute. My influence, I can't do that. I am going to have to say, no, I can't. He understood the importance of his influence. You know what John Maxwell said? I, I remember 25 years ago, John Maxwell said, that a person would influence ten to uh, 20,000 people in their lifetime. Well, listen, with social media, 
There's no telling what that number is today. You have the potential of influencing an astronomical amount of people. So me and you can influence a great number of, of people. Nehemiah realizes that and said, no, I can't do that. I got it. I'm, I'm a person of influence. No. And then Nehemiah also responds. Let me see. Verse 12. He said, then I perceived that God had not sent him at all, but he had pronounced his prophecy because he uh, against me because of Tobiah and Sembalat had hired him. And, uh, and by the way, wait a minute. I'm going to go back to verse 11. He said, "Who is there? Is there such a um, who is there such as I who could go into the temple to save his life? I will not go in." Let me focus on that part for just a second, because by going to the temple and going to the holy of holies, and that's where he was wanting him to go. They won't get you there. Let's go in here and hide. But see, Nehemiah knew the truth of God's word, and he knew that he wasn't permitted to go where this man was trying to take him, that that was only a place for priests. Remember uh, the king, Uzziah, that said, hey, I love God so much, I'm going to the Holy of Holies. And the priest said, no, 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 you can't. It's not, you're not permitted. He said, no, I love God so much, I'm going. And he did. And he was struck with leprosy. And then his son, Jotham, would never even come to the temple for anything. For worship, he just refused to go to the temple. He honored God at a distance. Well, then his son, his son wouldn't even go. Not only wouldn't go to the temple, his son wouldn't even serve God. And he did just the opposite. He became an enemy of God. And our influence is important. Nehemiah understood our influence. He also knew and understood the importance of God's word. And Nehemiah said, I can't do that. Breaking God's word? Uh, no, I'm not breaking the law. I'm not going against what God's will is. No. Nehemiah was a person that knew God's word because he read God's word. He knew God's word because he studied God's word. And therefore, whenever the enemy was trying to get him to go against God's word, he recognized it. And you and I need to be saying faithful, being in church and our study in our quiet times, so that whenever the enemy comes and he tries to use God's word against us or to get us to go against God's word, we'll recognize it and say, that's not the will of God. That's not what God wants. And so he knew the truth of God's word. So he knew the importance of his influence. He knew the truth of God's word. And then he also knew the importance of protecting your heart. And he understood this man had been bought. He said, I he began to perceive this guy had been paid off, that these fellows had hired him to be able to get him to come and, and, and to, to tempt uh, Nehemiah. And so for this reason, verse 13 says, he was hired that I should be afraid and act in a way, uh, in that way and sin so that they might have cause for an evil report, that they may have reproach against me. And so Nehemiah realized this man had sold out. It reminds me of Balaam. Remember Balaam, the prophet? How Balak, the king of Moab, had paid him to curse Israel. And, but he couldn't. He said, I can't curse them. They're God's people. And I, as a prophet, I can't speak things that's not true. So 
you can't, God's not going to curse them. But he wanted the money. Balaam, Balaam had paid him good money to curse them. And so instead of wanting to give the money back, he said, I've got a better idea. If you want them cursed, what you need to do is tempt them, get them to sin, and then God will curse them. God will punish them. God will destroy them. Send out your women, your young women. Get them to be able to, uh, these men to participate in idolatry and then get them to participate in adultery. And then God will curse them himself. And that's what Balak does. But Balaam did all of that because he wanted money. This fellow sold out Nehemiah for money. Don't think that, that Satan won't use your friends, get people to turn against you, just buy them off. Friend, you and I, we need to be able to see that Satan, for a season, he'll do anything. And he will give you money. He'll give you pleasure. He'll give you popularity. He'll let things take place for you for a season. If that means that you will walk away from God, but Nehemiah understood these things, and Nehemiah overcome the threatening of an enemy because he understood his importance, he understood the truth of God's word, he understood the importance of protecting his heart. Nehemiah was a true leader. Now today, God is looking for leaders. He was wanting leaders to rise up, but listen, it's not just taking a position. It's not just saying, hey, we're going to get this done. A leader has to be ready for personal attacks because they're coming because Satan knows I can get them out of the way. Then people are going to they're going to scatter like a sheep without a shepherd. That's what Jesus said. He, he recognized the need for leadership. Good leaders. And so if you're going to be a leader, you got to get ready because a leader is going to be attacked. A godly leader is going to be attacked. A person set on Honoring God is going to be attacked. And so we need to follow Nehemiah's guidance. Nehemiah, they threw, tried to distract him. They tried to slander him. They tried to threaten him. But Nehemiah was stood. He maintained his priority. He knew how God had called him. He understood these rumors. He diagnosed them and stood and, and, and did not stop. He overcome the threats because he understood his own importance of his influence and the importance of standing on God's word. Hey, let's take a moment. Let's have prayer. Lord, thank you for letting us study. May you bless each person. There may be somebody today that needs, that you're speaking to, and they need to be able to respond. May you help that person respond in faith and making a commitment of being a leader. And Lord, there's people that may not know you as Lord and Savior that need today to be able to give their heart and life to you. Lord, I'm so thankful that with sin, we can be forgiven. If we're just willing to turn from that sin and repent, and that's what it means to, to, to turn from. And Lord, if you help us to repent and then to look to Jesus Christ and then receive him by faith, Lord, I just ask that anyone who wanted to make that decision that you would just let them sense your presence and help them to make that decision for you today. And Lord, they may be Christians that are involved in sin, or maybe they've been used as an instrument or tool themselves of Satan that needs to be able to repent and say they're sorry. And then go to that person and say, I'm sorry. And Lord, may you just help to restore them, forgive them, and help them to be able to be used as instruments for you. 
Please, Lord, rise up, raise up, raise up leaders. Raise up leaders that can make an impact for you. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.